He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad! Oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the 73rd Hole. Colby Powell, Taylor Williams, Sam Humphreys with you. As always, we are the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Glad everybody's with us on a Friday. Waited till the end of the week because we got the PNC father-son going on, having a blast. It is just bringing Twitter to its knees, watching Tiger Woods and Charlie Woods play golf together. We've got our guy, Major Ed Polito, uh, friend of the show, down there at the PNC. He's giving a little presentation because he's an important guy. Got a lot of things going on. After that's done, he's going to give us a call, take some time for us, talk to us about the vibe down there, the crowd, the, the weather, the golf, the everything, just the circus that I'm sure the PNC father-son has turned into with Tiger and Charlie down there. First thing I wake up this morning, boys, I turn the TV on, I turn it over to Golf Channel, and we've immediately got Pro-Am highlights of Tiger and Charlie throwing darts, hitting drives, and having fun. It's cool to see, you know, for so long, we only saw Tiger the robot. It's just cool to see Tiger the dad. It really is. I was so confused watching earlier because I thought the tournament started today. And I was like, why are there 10 balls on the green? Like, what's going on? Like, everyone's sitting <laughs> in the same spot. It's Pro-Am. And they were showing it like it was the tournament, which is, what do we all talk about, guys? We it's want confusing. more golf coverage. And we got it. Yeah. We got yeah, great awesome. I mean, I love the fact what they did. They're interviewing all the great players and everything. I thought it was great. But going back to Tiger... I think I think he looks really health. I think he looks healthier than any of us would have ever thought that he wouldn't. I will say this about him because people are talking about when he's going to come back. I could tell whenever he was like kind of walking around. Bayhill, sorry, he's something <laughs> in my throat. Do you need to clear your throat again, Colby? You sure? Bayhill, you sure? I'm Arnold good. Palmer invitation. I'll, I'll get a drink. Finish your thought. I'll get a drink. I I don't. I think because for here's here's a good example for you. When I'm injured, my MCL. I, I was able to walk just fine, but, like, when I walked on a side hill, it, like, was the worst pain you've ever mm-hmm. felt ever. And I think with Tiger, he's at a point to where he can swing, but his ankle's still rehabbing to where he's not able to walk properly. And the problem is you've got to walk five miles every round with undulation. So I think he's I think he's longer away from competition than we want him to be, but that's not because of golf swing. It's just because of the walk between. If he was 50 and could have a cart, I think he'd come back five months earlier. Now, did, he was asked about a cart today. Did you see what he said? I did he's, not. He, he said he would never take yeah. a cart. He said he would never apply for a cart. He said, if I can't play at that level, then I just can't play at that level. Then I'd, so, I admire it. And, and it's gonna t- another, but it is going to take time. Another thing Tiger said today was when he – got to the course, he was like, this is only going to be my third round playing a full 18, much less having to walk. And he said, if he had to walk that course, and it's relatively flat down there in Florida, he wouldn't have been able to do it. Now, much less walk a course like Augusta National or Southern Hills. And so I think that that really, you know, goes to your point of having to walk up inclines and down inclines. I think the majority of his stamina issues are going to stem from simply walking the course. Yeah, I think he alluded to some of that today. Um, and and he'll, he'll get there. It'll take time. He talked about the strength, the stamina, trying to build back the speed. He's like, you know, hopefully over time those things come. And I think they will, but nobody can put a timetable on it. Nobody can say, right. okay, if you do this much exercise for six weeks, then this will be the result. You don't know. You don't know how the body's going to respond. I'll say this. His body historically... Has responded a little quicker than some other people's might have. It's, I mean, the fact I mean, he's where he is right now is, is, I would think, way ahead of schedule. Even people that are close to him, like Nota Begay and relatively close to him, like David Duvall, they were shocked that he applied to play in this tournament. I it, mean, it, it, it was kind of out of nowhere, right? Yeah, it was. I think he did it mainly for Char- Charlie at the end of the day. Right. Here's a good question about Tiger's health. And I'm not saying he's going to do this by any stretch when he comes back, but he might because he loves distance. How far away is Tiger away from doing like Bryson speed training, like health wise? Oh, good question. How far? Um, he's far away from even hitting normal drivers. from doing like the mega speed training. I would think that he wouldn't do any mega speed training until after this PGA Tour season, like next PGA Tour offseason, because I expect him to play on the PGA Tour at some point this season. And I think 
that he wouldn't want to go into the speed training and risk, you know, you're trying to gain five to 10 yards off the tee, then you screw your swing up or you screw your body up because it wasn't ready. So I don't think we'll see him do any real like speed, speed training until after this PGA Tour season. I don't either, but whenever I think about it, and he's talked about how he wants to come back when he's fully healthy and knows that he can compete. Well, if everyone out there is doing some type of speed training, wouldn't you think that he would want to wait till his body's able to at least try that if he was going to? Like I said, I don't think he's going to because I think he's admitted, hey, I'm going to use a spinnier ball. That's even put that in play this week, a spinnier ball yeah. and a different driver. Right. And so I think he's just admitted that he knows how he needs to beat courses. I was just mainly asking more from like a body preparedness because, right. you know, he's talked about how, like I said, he wants to come back fully 100% healthy. And I think 100% is, like you said, Colby, maybe next PJ Tour season, I think he might be playing this year on 75 80%. Yeah, and I don't want people to get what I just said mixed up about he's not hitting full drivers already. I mean, obviously, he's hitting drivers, but it just doesn't look the same, and it may never look the same, but it does look a little bit hesitant at the start of the downswing, and that's just me, and maybe, you know, it it won't ever be the same, but is he ever even going to get to the point with that right leg that he can do speed training to try to gain that distance back to get to where he was before? I, I think he, I think his body can get there. I just think it's going to take time. I don't, I didn't think he was really attacking it today, but I don't know that I saw the same hesitancy you saw. I don't know. You, you watched Taylor. What'd you think? I think that I just saw a couple high finishes and, and kind of not the same force driving, from the right leg through the rest of the swing. Well, to that, me. Yeah, that's exactly it. Because you talk about when he starts the downswing, there's a little bit of hesitation because what's the first thing you do on the downswing? Everyone's talked about it with the modern swing. You push off the ground with your legs. And whenever you can't fully push off that right leg, it's you're not going to be able to essentially drive into it. I mean, whenever you think about when he was with Sean Foley, his head dipped like five inches. And mm-hmm. it really wasn't the best thing in the world. But there's no way he could do that now. And there's yeah. no chance of it. And so I, I agree with you, Sam. I think it's going to look a little different, but I do think it will progressively get better as months we, go by. We learned a lot after the uh, round today. I almost said the tournament, but it was just the Pro-Am. It's a little confusing there because it is a Pro-Am, so they had a Pro-Am for the Pro-Am, right? Yeah, it's, really, yeah, it's like, what, what do they do with the AT&T Pebble Beach Wednesday? Like, exactly. Uh, so Colby brought this up, and, and Tiger talked about it after the round, was Tiger said that he hasn't taken any days off and I think the most um, profound thing he said after the round was that this has been his hardest recovery and rehab of his career and that honestly it both surprises me and doesn't because yes the leg was shattered the ankle was shattered he thought he might lose the leg but then you come back from that and it's a leg injury you're you're on crutches you're doing all that stuff I mean I would have thought that those back injuries because the back is just so I mean you just can't do a lot about a bad back there's just I mean, there's not a, a, there's not a book on what to do about a bad back. I feel like the, like there is with a leg, but then again, this was then again a amputation. Leg. Amputation was on the table, and that's not a rumor anymore. Right. Tiger said it out of his own mouth. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, if if you had to ask Tiger what was worse, all of your previous injuries or the car accident, he'd probably say that all the other ones combined, combined were, but whenever yeah. you separate them all out, yeah. I mean, a car crash like that, what was he going, 80 miles an hour, whatever they said? And I mean, part of it might be that his back, he was still rehabbing his back when the car injury happened, and the car crash point. happened with that injury as well, so that might have contributed to the fact that he thinks, why he thinks that this was the toughest. Well, and at the end of the day, we talk about these other injuries. This is the only one where we said Tiger was thankful to be alive after it. We didn't say that about after the back or the knees or anything like that. Yeah, very true. Very true. So I think maybe mentally, too, this one was a little tougher because he probably, a lot of things probably got put in perspective when he realized what could have happened as opposed to what did happen. And I think the number one thing and why he had has decided to, continue this rehab and go full throttle in this thing has to do a lot with Charlie. A hundred percent. So, and I think too, we talk about the age. It was 2021 when this car accident happened. The knee injuries were late nine, late, late 1990s, 2003 around that. The back stuff was 2014 mm-hmm. to 2017. That's seven, seven years ago now. So, I mean, it, yeah. he's just older. Yeah. So that has, that obviously makes recovery a lot harder. But after seeing him today, Now, I I talked about the hesitancy on the downswing, but I think that just from, I mean, that was in February. We're in December. That's not even a year ago that he got in the car crash. He hasn't even had a birthday since he got in a car crash. Okay, Southern Hills Hills is in May, at the end of May. 
It's about five months from right now, actually. Like, from today, I think, I think we're, like, almost exactly five months away. I think there is a legitimate chance. I can't believe I'm saying this. I think there's a legitimate chance we see Tiger Woods in Tulsa for the PGA in 2022. I'm still legitimately calling Bay Hill. Like, that's my call. I, I think that he's going to continue to work every single day to build strength, to build stamina, to build his game. I, I think in two and a half months, we're going to see him on a golf course playing on the PGA Tour. Here's a question I have for you guys. The, the Masters and the PGA are, what, six weeks apart? Something like that? Maybe seven weeks? Something uh, like that? Second first weekend of, of April. First of yeah. April. Or, yeah. Second weekend April. of April, third yeah. weekend of May. So, yeah, five, six weeks. Is there any chance that he doesn't play Augusta and plays the PGA Championship? Oh, man, I would say no. Because I, I don't think no. there is. No, I don't, I don't either. Because so. if, he's, if he's close enough to where he could play at Southern, he's going to tee it up at Augusta. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. I, I, I'm just, so I think that for all of us uh, people planning on being in Tulsa in May, I think if Tiger says he's not playing the Masters, probably a bad sign for Tulsa. And out of the agree. courses this year, I think that those two are the best two chances he has to win if his body is right. I would because think so, that's too. the best two chances you have for – an old guy to win. You might say well, St. Andrews. Saint Andrews. Saint, I was no, hold say on. St. Andrews. Hold on. But, but, you know, just the fact of him losing all the speed, I think that he can get away with not hitting it quite as far at a place like Southern Hills. And and he knows Augusta so well. And I know that he's won at St. Andrews before, and it tends to have older winners. I just think that he can outthink people at places like, um, like Augusta and Southern Hills more than – St. Andrews, because I feel like St. Andrews this year might be just a bomber's paradise. Well, at the end of the day, he's won at all three of them. So the right. difference is he's right. won twice at, at St. Andrews and five times. But at I'm Augusta. talking about I'm talking about old Tiger. Yeah, and I think too at the end of the day, both of them, uh, the Masters is including this, but it's not as drastic. The end of May in Oklahoma, weather's going to be a big part if Tiger can win that tournament. It's just assuming if he pay, if he plays. So you if think it, bad weather he'll succeed more? I would say it depends what your definition of bad is. I think if it's cold, he's going to have trouble because of yeah. the body and everything. Right. But if the wind picks up, I think it helps his chances because we saw it. Southern Hills is going to play long next year. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it, but also too, if it's hot and he's able to do what he did, now, in, it plays long. But what I say, I don't. I still don't think it's a bomber's paradise because it's such a placement golf course. It's target golf. You got to and target golf off the tee because you have to be on the specific areas of the fairway to be able to go at some of those flags. You can't just be on the right side of the fairway when you need to be on the left and go at certain flags. You're 100% right. Here's one thing that I think will hurt Tiger as compared, assuming he plays compared to 2007. He's going to be hitting a lot of longer irons into the greens. Now Southern Hills has a sub air. I guarantee you they're going to be as firm as this table that we're recording this podcast yeah. on. It's going to be hard to, yeah. especially now with Gil Hans came in, he sculpted out some areas to where they could tuck some pins. You ain't going to fire at a tuck pin with a four iron. You <laughs> well, know, if but, a guy has an eight iron or nine iron, they might be able to. And, and let me ask you this, though. If Tiger does get some speed back by then, again, he's not going to be hitting at Rory, DJ, Rom, Bryson levels. That's not happening uh, probably ever again. But if he can even get to where he's hitting it the distance that Morikawa hits it. Morikawa's not a bomber. Morikawa's precise with the irons. If Tiger's coming in with a five iron, other guys are coming in with a six or seven iron, I still like his chances if he can get his game back and he's talked about his hands. He has the feel in his hands. So now, you I don't say Morikawa, but Morikawa hits it pretty straight off the tee. So um, straighter than Tiger. For straighter, straighter than, than Tiger, Tiger. Historically. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it'll be interesting to see if Tiger, in his older age and not being able to hit it that far, will tend like it'll tend more towards accuracy off the tee if he's able to change his game in that way. I don't know if he is. Yeah, I don't know if he is either. It's something that we haven't really seen from Tiger. What'd you just look up there, Tony? Here's one thing that doesn't get talked about, but we but we got to bring it up. So Tiger, going back to 2004, that's when they started the individual strokes gain stats. So 2004, one point on the greens, 0.7 on the greens, 0.5, 0.8, 0.9, one basically. Then he has 2009, or the Thanksgiving 2009 come up. Since then, besides 2017 when he didn't really play that much, he hasn't gained more than .55 on the greens in any year. That putter, He's got to get the putter rolling back to where he was if he wants to win, especially now, now that his distance is gone. But part of that was injuries and not hitting his irons as well, too. No, I mean, because iron game factors into that. Yeah, but and the strokes gain aspect takes into account how well you do from a certain range of putting. So it's not putts, it's not right, putts but per round. I, I understand that, but if you're – Put it, giving yourself 15 footers the majority of the time, it takes pressure off your putting. I'm, but if you have you're, a lot of... they're not as many... What I'm saying is you're not having 
five to ten foot par putts, you're having fifteen foot birdie putts, and it takes pressure off those putts. Well, I, I would say I agree with that, but analytically, they say that you have a better chance of making a par putt from the same distance as you do a birdie putt. But it's so, not the case in, yeah, in real is, life. That is the case. That's the in analytics. Real, okay, you, 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 if you you're telling eight, me you're telling me that guys don't make more birdie putts from the same distance as par putts. I guarantee you they make way more par putts from the same distance than they do birdie putts. It's not See, even close. To me, you would have less pressure on a birdie putt. It's, and they it's would not make the more. Ca- it's not the case. I can look it up. Really? Like, yeah. I, that surprises w- without, me. If, without even seeing the numbers, if you just asked me totally blind test from the same distance, are you more likely to make the birdie or the par putt? I would 100% say the par putt. I really? feel Yes, because I feel like when I watch the PGA Tour, these guys always talk about how they hate to make bogeys more than they love to make yep. bo- birdies. And when you're putting for birdie, I think sometimes you might not give it the full run okay. yep. because you know, okay, if I lag this up to six inches, I still tap it in for par. But those guys hate dropping shots. So if they've got a 10-footer for par, that thing's going in the hole with some pace because four-footer coming back for bogey, be damned. I'm not dropping a shot. I'm making this par putt. This doesn't happen very often, but I think I was just proved wrong. Like, I, I think I tend to agree with you guys more now. Okay, well, see, and that, good for you. Good for you for admitting it, for admitting that maybe your argument wasn't the strongest. But that's but that's how I've always thought about it, and now that you guys bring that up, it makes 100% sense. Taylor's got the numbers. Here we go. For whatever reason, golfers facing a putt between 5 and 20 feet are about 16% more likely to make it for par rather than birdie. Wow. 16%. That is That surprises me. I, I, I don't mean, know no, why. No, 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 no. I think guys putt more aggressively for par than they do for birdies, but so more of them you, go in. Wouldn't you think you're more nervous over a par putt than a birdie putt? No, because I think in a lot of cases, and it's really weird to say, but a lot of golfers have it, they're scared to go low. So whenever you get on the last few holes and you yeah. have a good round going, you have a 15-footer for birdie, not going to make it as often. But whenever you step up and you say, oh, well, i got to make this to keep an even par round going or to break 80 or something, it's easier to make my pick. Yeah. I think for, for like an eight handicap, it's probably about the same. But I think the guys on the tour, they're just so good and they hate dropping shots so much that I think that they can just lock into a whole nother level. Just lock in I instead mean, of be nervous, they more, they're more yeah. locked in. Like, like if a guy's five under through 12 and then he's got a 10-footer for par on 13. That's an interesting, ar- uh, not argument, he just gets but interesting you know, philosophy. Well, yeah. Here's another reason that it happens. So majority of the time, whenever you have a par putt from five to 20 feet, you probably ran a putt too far by or you hit a bad chip. Yeah. So a lot of times that goes past the hole. So you can see what the putt does when it goes yeah. past the hole. So you essentially True. have a read on the thing. So True. I guarantee you that attributes to at least 5% of it's that. Or, or, you know, like let's say you've got a 70-footer and you lag it up to 7 feet. Well, yes, it was a 70-footer, but you already circled that green. You already read that green. You already made strokes on that green. You already hit a putt on that green. So you're, you're, you've already gone through all your routine on that green and surveyed the whole thing. So then whenever you go up to read the 7-footer, you have more information than if you had just hit your approach shot to seven feet and you just walk up there and let it rip. I remember Maury Rose telling me one time at Emerald Falls, I don't know why I remember this, RIP, yep, that he said that if holes weren't assigned a certain par, that people would shoot better scores. Well, and RIP Emerald Falls, not Maury Rose. I want to make sure we got that clear there. So, Maury is alive. I said that for a second. I said, "Oh man, I hope people realize." Emerald Falls shut down about seven years ago. Taylor almost just killed Maury Rose live on the podcast. But Maury's one hundred percent right. Trying to get back on topic. It seriously is. I mean, think about it. Colby, this is a good example, and you played there, Sam. Uh, if it number, was just number seven, not par five, number seven. Yes. So, like in at Chickasha Golf Course, number three is uh, number three, number twelve is essentially a four hundred and fifty yard downwind par five. Number three. Yep. Okay. And with the water short of the green, how many more people would go for that green if it was a par four compared to a par five? Like, oh, if amateurs. it's a par four, everybody's going. Hundred percent. Because everybody's just going. to go, Oh well, I have to go. You have to go. Yeah. But you really don't have to go if it's going to make you make a seven instead of a five. Yeah. And so I think that has a lot to do with it. And, like, for example, it's one of the things that drives me absolutely nuts. When they take an old golf course and they take a par five and a par four, it's like the course was not designed for that. The green is 15 paces long. It's not a par five green or not a par four green. By the way, boys, we, before we get off of the PNC, I want to make some picks. I got a sneaky pick. Sneaky pick. Here, sneaky let me, pick. Let me, I got to pull up the full. Well, uh, well, why don't roster. we do this? Why don't we hear from our good friends over at Ring Family Dentistry? Because right. they're going to get you taken care of the way Tiger and Charlie are taking care of that golf course down in Florida. They're a father son. The father son team. Father son team. Uh, Phil, 
who is the father of Brennan and Brienne, who work there. So we got just a family uh, <laughs> deal going on here. Ring Family Dentistry. They go out of their way to ensure all treatment is as comfortable as possible. Leading edge technology, delivering same-day crowns for more than 20 years. They do it all. Implants, clear aligner, orthodontics. You want it. They've got it. They're based here in Oklahoma City. All decisions are made by the patient. If they can't show you why the treatment is needed, they will not prescribe it. They explain their opinion, answer any questions, and ultimately leave all decisions to the patient. So uh, go see our good friends at Ring Family Dentistry. Making picks? Who are you picking? Are we? Uh, we got to get into Charlie a little bit first, right? We got to save the picks. We got to tease the picks. Okay, okay. Yeah, we got to tease, tease the picks and talk a little Charlie. We do because... have to talk Charlie because. Oh yeah, we talked so much off the air about Charlie. I got confused. I, thought <laughs> I, was I saw a lot of great things from Charlie today. Uh, it looks like he's not swinging out of his shoes. You brought up T Dub a good point. About his shoes were sweet, by the way. He's a little, yeah, they were. He's rocking Pumas. He which, has big feet. At what age? He's twelve years old right now. At what age does he get his first apparel deal with Nike? Probably nil something. Yeah, I eighteen. I mean, it, I, I was thinking eighteen because that's when you're an adult and you can do all yeah. your own stuff and everything. Maybe sixteen. It's yeah, it's not like I, he needs it though. Well, no, he so, doesn't. But so I would say maybe when he turns pro, Tiger might hold that all off until he's good maybe. enough to turn pro. I don't know how all it is since nil started because like we've have like for example, kids who are 14, 15, if they're really good. They can get on with yeah, Titleist but, and but ping. remember that, even even be, yeah, like you say, even before the nil ever started, golf was different where a a guy could technically be with a company in golf because golf is just so much more expensive than other other sports right? yeah and, and also they changed usga had to change because before we had the nil versus usga amateur thing but now you can only do it for not playing golf so i think he gets a deal 15 or 16 colby i think it's before he's 18 yeah definitely okay. could be in the game of golf but uh, t-dub what do you see technically from charlie i th- i really like what charlie's doing i think what you said sam is true he's just more flexible now you can tell with his hips he's got a lot more power through the ball and I, he's hitting it really straight. They made that point on the telecast that he's not hitting it that far offline, which, you know, I didn't see any snap hooks or any high rights letting which go is, of the club. It's impressive for a kid that's 12 years old playing in front of cameras. I don't care whose son he is. That's still a big deal. 100%. And, and it and it could have been nerves and stuff like that, but it's not. It's like he's meant to be there. I got a question. Do y'all think Charlie gets star starstruck by anyone? Oh, man. Good question. Can you get starstruck when your dad's Tiger Woods? <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. That I would have to ask him. You, yeah, we'd have to ask Charlie. Maybe we'll get him on one of these I days. Do know I doubt it. I do know that he loves like giving crap to Justin Thomas. They're yep. like older brother, younger brother. And then Tiger even said that today, that Tiger is Justin Thomas's older brother, and Justin Thomas is Charlie's older brother. Right, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the dynamic they've got working there. And I, I want to get into something, because we talked about this off air, so I want to ask y'all. saw a tweet. I can't remember who tweeted out, so I apologize. But said that... Charlie's scoring average on his junior tournaments was around like 83. And he's 12 years old, obviously. So you think averaging 83, that's really good for a 12-year-old. That's out of Florida, he's probably not in the top 100 if that's yeah. the case, you know, for 12-year-olds. Because, I mean, you got 12-year-olds who shoot under par like it's nothing. I don't think that's Sam, you're stuff, one of them. That, well, yeah, back, back when I was good. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I don't think that stuff matters, though. I watched how technically sound he is, and when he grows into that body, he's going to be able to do a lot more things than guys such as myself that was really good when I was 11, 12, 13 years old. But I had some technical flaws that I had to fix before I went to college because I was doing things to compensate for my lack of strength that helped me at a younger age that hurt me at an older age. And Charlie is not doing any of those things. He is technically as sound as I've ever seen a 12-year-old golfer. And I'm saying ever, anybody. And I think, too, at the end of the day, kind of, to your point, Sam, you were averaging breaking 83 when you are seven years old. You know, so, I mean, you know, let's get on to that. But you also did something because you said a good point there. You had technical difficulties, but you still learned how to get the ball in the hole to shoot a low score. So I feel like Charlie's on the other well, and, side and of where you were. To, to make it so people understand, like, I hit it really far for a 12-year-old, let's say. But I had a big reverse C, and I was doing that to compensate for my lack of strength in my lower body. Right? And so I struggled with that throughout when I got older. And so I don't see Charlie having any of those problems when he hits growth spurts. I think when you hear people say that, when oh, my son hit a growth spurt, he's been struggling lately. That's very, very common in golf. 
because kids do things to hit it farther or hit it higher or even straighter that aren't technically sound but help them at a younger age because they have a lack of strength. No, no, that's a good point. I was taking more on the side of, because like when Tiger mentioned at the the Hero when he's doing the interviews that Charlie had a problem with the big numbers. Well, big numbers can come down to a few things. It may just be anger like he talked about, but it may also just be like we talked about. It's a skill to get the ball in the hole in a mm-hmm. low amount of strokes. It really is. You can dink and duck it all around. Look at someone like Corey Pavin or someone like that. You know, just Fred Funk. You're not that now, athletic, but you still get it around. With so, a lot know? of 12-year-olds, you would say that, but with Charlie, I see, you know, the putting stroke looks Flawless. It looks almost Tiger esque. You can tell that Tiger's taught him a lot about the putting. And, and he's stroke. using the blade this year. He was using the big Taylor made spider last year. Now he's down to the blade, looking even more like his dad. It, it looks very, very technically sound now. And the chipping, you know, like you said, it's a lot of experience when it comes to chipping. But also, I see a lot of technically sound things that he's doing there too. So it might just be an experience thing. To me, what I think is. You know, where those big numbers come from is just lack of experience. And the more tournaments, tournament rounds that he plays in, eventually he's going to get to the point where he gets comfortable shooting 75, then comfortable shooting 70, then comfortable shooting 66 eventually. Yes. You see what I'm saying? I think he's going to get progressively better. I think he's going to get a lot better of it. So I think I want a lot of people to realize I think he's going to get better. I just don't think he's as good as people think he is right now, in my opinion. Um, and, and I disagree. I just, I disagree too. I don't think a scoring average at 12 matters. I think that what matters is how much he loves the game and how hard he's willing to work. Cause we know he has all the resources and, and coaching and all that stuff. And I you just, know he wants to play be- because I don't think Tiger's pushing it on him at all. Here's my point. He's not the best 12 year old golfer in the country. He's not. Bottom right. line. He's not top 50, probably. Does right. that matter? Does that right. matter? No, 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 that, no that, that's my point. That's what I'm saying. People think that he's that now, but he's not. But I think that he will get there. That's my point. Oh, okay, okay. okay. That's I, what I, I was Okay. I think maybe the way you originally presented, I, I wasn't I grasping. To, I tend to do that. I wasn't grasping what you were getting at. But yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's probably. It, we're it, all saying the same thing. He's not the best 12-year-old golfer in the no. country right now. That's fine. That's fine. He might be the best 16-year-old in four years. He might. He might be the best 22-year-old in 10 hey, years. Who knows? It's very rarely is a guy that's the best in the state at 13, the best in the state at 17 when they sign. Yeah, I mean, a, lot of, a lot of stuff Hardly goes ever. into Rarely that. Ever. A lot of stuff goes into that, and, and two of the things that get downplayed, number one, is love of the game. Right. You, you don't go to the course every single day for hours on top of hours on top of hours just because you think you should and because somebody told you you're good at golf. You do that because you love the game. And the other is... The higher the level of competition, and this is what Tiger has talked about with Charlie and controlling his emotions and all these different things, the more the mental aspect comes into the game. And that's something, you know, we all want to talk about swing mechanics and all this other stuff. It's also a very big part of it that I think gets downplayed. So it's. I saw it very. At this point, he's a 12 year old playing golf with his dad. His dad happens to be Tiger Woods. (laughs) Like, it's just fun. It's just fun. Number one, I feel sorry for Charlie that he is Tiger's son in some instances because. He's going to have so much pressure to be Tiger when, like I said, if he's Spencer Levine, that's a hell of a career. Do you see what I'm saying? And right. so he's going to always look. It's like when Sam he's Saunders would pop up on the TV. Yeah, he's going to be looked down on even though he should be looked up on. Do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. if you had a buddy that's on the Corn Ferry Tour, such as a Josh Creel who just got on the PGA Tour at an older age, if that happens to Charlie, people will be like, well, you know, let what, down. what took you so long? Yeah, what, you know like what I mean. That. Yeah, so Charlie would be just, viewed as a disappointment by most people if he doesn't become a top fifty player in the world. In my opinion, I think that's I probably think about so. the threshold. And then it's not a fair bar. It's, it's I mean, and it had to be sustainable. The, that's the, people the that kids, don't understand golf, hundred percent. Right. Like the kids of the great ones, like Michael Jordan's sons. I mean. They never had fair expectations. LeBron's son is not going to have fair expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, all these people. They don't have fair expectations. There are certainly pros to being the son of one of the greatest of all time, like with Charlie. All right. the resources, all the everything, all this stuff that comes with Just it. Talking you about get golf. more opportunities. But it's like you said, like even Sam Saunders, whenever he would go out and play, Sam Saunders wasn't known as Sam Saunders. He was known as Arnold Palmer's grandson. Yeah. That's what he was known as. Right. When Charlie goes out there, like, yeah, it's Charlie, but every he's always going to be looked at his entire life as Tiger Woods' son. And that's why I talk about the love of the game and the mental side, because that, it to me, is going to be more impactful 
impactful on Charlie's future in the game of golf than what his swing looks like or what his scorecard says whenever he's a teenager, stuff like that. If he really loves the game and really has the mental capacity to deal with everything that's going to come along with getting to that level as Tiger Woods' son, then I think he can do it, but only time will tell on all that stuff. Yeah, that was my first point. And back to the technical side, kind of. I saw it firsthand with one of my best friends, Hayden Wood, who was really short as a kid and kind of grew a little bit and then really took an interest in golf and Willie taught him all the right mechanics at you know uh, older age compared to most kids most kids learn the basics at seven eight nine Hayden was learning them at you know 11 12 13 and his growth from the time he was a freshman in college he didn't even you know it wasn't even the same player when he was a freshman in college to the time he signed to go to Oklahoma State when he was a senior in college, and that's because he was so technically sound and he grew into his body a little bit. And so I think that that might be the case with Charlie uh, as he gets older. And once we start seeing scores you know, here in the next couple of years in some bigger tournaments, we might say, oh, you know, why isn't he shooting You know what these guys at the top are shooting? might be because he just needs to grow into his body and grow into that technique that Tiger's taught him. Yeah, and just grow into just playing golf. But here's one thing that anytime you see someone under the age of like 13 or 14 and they're a really great athlete, you have to take into consideration. Not even in like middle school yet, or if he is, he's just starting. Like all the crazy stuff that happens there with love interests and all that, you got to be able to manage that. You got to be able to manage yep. off the course stuff. And I mean, whenever you're have, whenever you have a lot of resources like that, that opens up the the floodgate to more love interests. So hopefully, Charlie will be able to be able to manage that because if you let that come by the wayside, just for anyone, I mean, you're going to be done. Bottom I mean, line. we saw in the Tiger documentary that he had to give up on a lot of things to put all his efforts into golf. Yeah. I don't I don't know that Tiger would do that to his own son. Let's put it this way. I don't think Tiger's going to be at the course with a Winnebago right off the driving range when Charlie's hitting. I would say not. <laughs> I would say not. Um, it's it's weird. You know, you, you look at Tiger's life, his career, everything that happened with him as a husband, and now you see him as a dad. It's a different version of Tiger. It seems like a happier version mm-hmm. of Tiger, and, and it's maybe my favorite version of Tiger because um, – before, we just never saw the human side to him. And I think that's why I like this PNC tournament so much. We never got to see the human side to Tiger. What's more human than a father and son at the golf course? I mean, I'm sure y'all do, and I do. I love getting to play golf with my dad. Yep. We don't play very often because every time he wants to play, he doesn't want to play again for six months. But <laughs> I love getting to play golf with my dad. It's a blast every single time, no matter what we shoot. And there's just, for, for golf fans, there's nothing more human than just a father and son at the golf course. And what, it, it's cool. One of the coolest things I saw today was Lee Trevino just shooting the breeze with Tiger watching Charlie hit balls. Yeah. I mean, when else would you ever get that? <laughs> I mean, and just can you imagine all the knowledge that he could probably absorb just like a sponge? How just far, take it all in. How far right are y'all shanking it? And if Tiger and Lee Trevino are watching you hit range balls, <laughs> probably going to shank it because Lee Trevino has me laughing so hard. I'm, I'm laying the sod over because I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm totally scared of the shank. That's true. I wouldn't want to shank it, so then I'd probably just fat it like 10 yards. Or if Def- it's a driver, just straight snap definitely it. <laughs> pull, definitely pulling out driver if Tiger's watching me hit balls. Oh, I mean, what's, Can't the, shank a driver. what's the one club you don't want to hit with Tiger watching you hit balls? A three-foot putt. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, what's the club you least want to hit if Tiger's oh, watching you hit balls? Because you think about it, if you have like a one iron or something, like you're destined to not hit it good, so you have low expectations. And that's tough. Maybe like a 60-yard chip. See, for, for me, I'm going, as a three handicap, I'm going three wood off the deck. Yeah. I don't want to have to hit a three wood off the deck with Tiger watching because one of two things is happening, and it's only one of two. <laughs> I am stone cold topping it, or I am just exclusively chunking the hell out of it, and it's going nowhere. Yeah. There's no way I'm making solid contact with three wood off the deck with Tiger watching. You have, you have a choice, or let's put it this way. Tiger has to watch you hit one drive on your least favorite hole in the world. Oh, my God, 13 at Golf Club of Edmond. 13 Golf Club of Edmund. 13 Golf Club that's of Edmund, That's the last Mine one. Mine would be, if I, had to, if I could exclude one tee shot, it would be 14 at the Patriot. Don't like that one. I haven't played the Patriot. I haven't Tell played me about the Patriot, it. so it's I can't visualize scary. it. It's dead downhill, just trees on both sides. Like, if I hit the fairway, it was an accident. Do you have to hit driver, though? You don't have to, but, I mean, I do because I'd rather be far in the ship, but 
rather than shorten the nah, shirt. No, I'm button two iron out in the fairway, baby. I'm trying to think of – because I, there's a course I play in California called uh, Winchester, that, but y'all wouldn't know that hole because it's so narrow. I'd probably go, like, number six at Chickasaw Point or one of those holes. Oh, Chickasaw ha- Point has some holes where you can hit it in the middle of the fairway and it'll roll out of bounds. Oh, I've, I, got I, a, I've seen it to myself. I've got another good one, and this is – if you're assuming you're hitting driver, 13 at Karsten gives me hell. Every Se- hole at Karsten. 17 at Karsten's not a ton of fun either. Number the 10, shot. Number 10 at Karsten. Oh, that was – Yeah, oh, 10 brutal. at Karsten's rough. There's a lot of them. There's a lot. But if every, I had to pick one, it's 13. Every hole at Karsten. It's 13 of Golf Club of Edmond for me. Because I could turn around and I could tell Tiger, I'm going to say, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to avoid this tree right off the tee box. I'm going to start this up the left side of the fairway, and it's going to draw until it ends up in native grass and I lose it. <laughs> it's just every time. Because, see, like, what would be This really is kind of leading into our Monday show. It is. We're fives. doing our uh, Huntman OK. Yeah. Uh, Huntman Oklahoma. On, on That's par fives in Oklahoma. I got most of my holes lined up. I'm ready for that. It's going to be so much fun. I'm doing it all off the off the cuff, off the top of my head. I'm going to write a few down to make sure I don't forget any good ones. I think one hole that would be hard would be like hole like Dornick number 13, where it's like you have <laughs> the road left and you have the like a nice hundred about that yard. hole, though, is it's normally downwind. Yes, it is. But like a hole like that, where, or like number eight at Lincoln West, where you have just like a million miles well, the right. Play, the play at Lincoln West, at eight at Lincoln West, is to blow it over the trees nope. and play from that tee nope. box over there. That's I, not the play. You want to know I why? Because we can't all blow it over the trees, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that far. So, so You can take a farther right line over the trees. Nope. You can get out of bounds on five. <laughs> yeah, at that point, why not just take it up the fairway? Because there's OB left. Why not just hit it over the trees and have a flip wedge in? See, that, yeah. that would be the hole that I wouldn't want someone to watch because it's like, I can hit it a thousand miles this way and I'm going to hit it left like a dumbass. You're yeah. going to snap hook at the one place you can't miss it. 100%. Yeah. Like, like, I don't want to play a hole where there's like, hey, you have like a five-yard place where you can't hit it, but you can hit it anywhere else. I'm guaranteed to hit it there. The yeah. Tiger's watching. Absolutely. There's no doubt. 100%. All right. Good stuff. A lot of fun happening down at the PNC. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take a break, come back on the other side. Major Ed is going to join us. He is at the PNC. Very important man. Very busy man. But he's taking some time out for us. He's going to let us know the vibe down there. Quick, who's playing we didn't well. Mention, we didn't mention. Oh, we didn't Ti- our picks either. Well, that and Tiger's new driver. Oh, it's the stealthy. Stealthy driver. Have y'all seen the... the it, looks non- pretty, co- it looks pretty sick. Carbon Tiger fiber. Tiger said he likes the colors. Carbon fiber is what they said. Yeah, black and red well, nice. Sam, you have you have a sim, so you are you going to be getting a stealth? If you decide to go in your long driving days? I am the worst person. People ask me all the time, what club should I get? What driver should I get? I'm like, I don't know. The G5? What's the new ping thing? I don't <laughs> freaking know. I, I'm the worst person to ask when it comes to equipment. So fill me in, T-Dub. I... It looks very similar to the Sim, Sim 2. I mean, it's a little different. It's kind of like... What'd you it, say about carbon fiber or something? Yeah, it's carbon fiber. They were saying it's like there's carbon fiber in the in the head. Instead of titanium. I think, yeah, I think I, it already had carbon fiber. Some I don't of, know. They might just be adding I, more to I it. Am, yeah. I am not an expert on that whatsoever. Well, what what's happened is, is that they... They've manufacturers already been pushing the limits on how far the ball can go anyway with the club head. So it's like every year they try to add something more. You're a, how, how much more is there to add? That's exactly right. Yeah. How much more can you add? But the the main thing about new newer drivers is that they may not all go like if you hit it in the center, might not it will go about the same distance. But it's the miss hits that get better. Yeah, I right. still got my Callaway Rogue in the bag, and I'm telling you, after the way I hit it in Scottsdale, that thing's not coming out for a minute. I just hit it straight, the, and straight to me is more thing, valuable than ten more yards. The thing that amateurs need to understand about drivers is it's not the head, it's the shaft. Yes, I finally, so I finally, I don't know why I didn't do it sooner. I hate myself for not doing it five years ago. I finally put an extra stiff shaft in my driver, and I am hitting it so much better, so much more solid contact, so much more predictable ball flight and straighter. It's, I was playing the wrong shaft in my driver, and I put the right shaft in, I'm hitting it better than I've ever hit it. People who just look and see if it's regular stiff, extra stiff, like most people do, it's it's so off because you can have an extra stiff in a 50-gram shaft, and it's going to be flimsier than a stiff in an 80-gram shaft. So there's so many factors that go to it. And the manufacturer brand, you got torque in it. I mean, kick point. There's That's why you can see these guys change driver heads all the time, but if you notice, they're using pretty much the, sa- the same shaft. If it's not exactly the same, then it's the same carbon copy of the other shaft they had. The same specs. What, right. Going back, torque and kick point are really the the main thing. So, main point, if you and don't know length, that much about and golf, length. 100%, and then swing weight goes into that. Get fitted, bottom but line. Get for fitted. instance, you know, when I went down to the Windstar thing, Yep, they helped me figure out that my old shaft was a counterbalanced shaft in a driver. I didn't even know those existed. That is weird. But it was the same, you know, 70, whatever, 75-gram shaft, but it was 
counterbalanced. And so I needed that. What way do you play, Shaft? 75 grams? I think it's 75 extra something what hazardous. You, what do you play, Tyler? Uh, Just wait, wait. Uh, upper 60s, low 70s. Okay, I, pl- I play 70. Yeah. Mine's 70. So I think that's about enough Shaft talk for one show. Y'all want to give us some picks? <laughs> I love Shafts. What are you talking about? Y'all want to give us some picks? You got your picks lined up? You the, said you had I a dark horse. I have a dark horse pick. You the tip throw- of the Shaft is most important. <laughs> It is. You want me to throw out some... It really is. <laughs> mine's, mine's tipped an inch. It, it is. seriously is. My driver's chef's tipped an inch. <laughs> All right. I'm going chalk. I'm going Mike Thomas and Justin Thomas. No, no, no. I was going to say you can't pick them. What? Because that's that's too obvious. I'm going chalk. Hey, did y'all bet in DeGeneres? No, you can bet on this? Can you really? Give us some odds. Uh, let us let me see here. I had my stat and I lost it. Team Thomas, plus 180. Next best, Team Kuchar, plus 650. Then you got Team Furyk, 750. Team Sink, 750. Team Daily, 800. Team Stinson, 900. Then you go all the way down to 1,000. You got Team Bubba Watson and Team Woods. Okay. Okay, well, I'm going Team Sink. Oh. Okay. Is, is Reagan on the bag with him? Or is Reagan yeah. playing with him? Uh, not on the bag. Reagan caddied for him for one of his wins, but he's or playing. two of his wins, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe Team Daly. I mean, Daly has to be the only guy with a college golfer. But the only negative to that is he's not playing up. At True. T-box. He hits it a so, freaking mile, though. I know, but what I'm saying is. Charlie was driving greens last year. Yeah, true. So, so where so does by, by where way, does Nelly Corda get to play from? That's that was going to be my mega dark horse pick. Good question. So Charlie last year played it from about fifty eight hundred yards. This year Charlie's playing it from about six thousand yards. So they moved him back about two hundred yards over the course of eighteen holes. I would imagine it won't even be noticeable. I like the Nelly Corda pick. Or team yeah, Corda. but but the deal with that that I thought about was. But is her dad good? Her I have dad no idea. Her dad was a good. professional tennis player. Is he good at golf? I don't know. Is he the, gets to play up. Is the Does he get to play up, though? Is the tiebreaker yeah, a doubles Come, tennis match? I think the tiebreaker should be a double point, t- doubles tennis match. Here's my point. Is is Nelly Corda's dad and Justin Thomas's dad playing from the same tees? Good question. Mike has a huge advantage. The Mike JT team, it's hard not to go chalk. You've got a former PGA professional who's still, I mean, he's probably still scratch, I would yeah. think. And then you've got one of the top 10 players in the world on the same team. Like, most of these are pros that are playing with their kids, like Bubba and his kid, Stuart Sink and his kid, you know, John Daly but and, and his kids in college. you also got to take into account the tees they play because I think yes. if Justin Thomas and Mike, right, his dad's name? That's Mike. Mike, yep. And, and so if Justin and Mike played John Daly and John Daly the second, he's not little John anymore. He's John Daly the second now ever since he went to college. If they played each other, I would take John and John instead of JT and Mike from the same back tees. No offense to John Daly the second, but I like Little John better. I think it's a better name, I Little do John Daly, because then you just short to Little John. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you, I, I can understand though, when you're an adult, you don't want to be called Lil every but, time. But do you want to be called the you. second? But you're not first. But at that point, I think people are just going to stop calling him Little John and just start calling him John. Dude, you don't want to be called anything little when you get to college. You're right. Not if you're really big. Like four hundred pounds. Like you, you're at a party and you're introducing what, yourself like to tiny a, gallon. You're introducing yeah, yourself yeah, tiny gallon. Tiny gallon. That's a good one. You're uh, you're introducing yourself to a good looking girl at a party as, as a freshman in college. Like, what's your name? Little John. <laughs> you can't do no, that. No, it's John. Well, what do you, John. Say, do you say John Daly the second? No, you just say John. So you why don't you just John. say that with Little John? Because 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 that's cause weird. People always call him Little. <laughs> people always call him Little. I think it's weird that John Daly named him Little John in the first place. <laughs> no, it's not. I think that's awesome. I think it's weird. If you're not first, you're last. If you ain't Ricky first, Bobby. you're last. All right. Uh, so we've got your pick is the Sinks. I'm yep. going with the Thomases. Taylor, are you going chalk as well? Th- Sam said we couldn't pick chalk. And now I, pick- we can't go Thomas. Too late. I'm going chalk. You just explained why it's unfair. I, that's why I'm going chalk. Then make a make a second pick. Who's finishing second? Who's finishing second? Uh, I'll go team coacher. Okay. Wow. I'm going off the. <laughs> Listen I'm, to this guy. I'm going off the rails. Give me uh, <laughs> give me the quarters. Give me the quarters. Okay. I think they're coming through. Okay. You Sneak. know who always finishes kind of high up there is the Sings. The Sings, yeah. They play some good golf. What's his name? Cass Sing. Oh, here we go. Major Ed's calling. We're taking a break. Major Ed, join right, us on the other side. Everybody, stay with us. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. 
McCray Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McCray Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McCray Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McCray Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at mccrayroofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. Welcome back, rolling along here on the 73rd hole. We've been talking PNC Championship, and now we're going to head down to Florida, talk to our man down there on the grounds. Major Ed Polito is with us. Major Ed, how much fun are y'all having down there in Florida? Man, I'm coming in hot down here from Florida, and I'll tell you that we're having a great time. Uh, great uh, golf, you know what, to witness some of the stuff that we've witnessed. Certainly having Tiger back is a big deal, and you know what? The energy and the electricity down here is like um, contagious. And you know what? Everybody's got in a great mood and everybody's wanting to see a great tournament. And, you know, it's it, one of the things that I tell people, this tournament is about what I say, God, love for country and love for our family. And so it's about family and that's what it's all about. So family and golf together equals success and equals a very, very good time, and I'm down here reporting live, baby, for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> You're the man, Major Ed. We would definitely appreciate you giving us the behind-the-scenes look. So what what has been the major story down there? Obviously, Tiger and Charlie are still in the scene. So what, what interactions have you seen with them? And give us some of the other great names that are down there as well. Yeah, so I, you know, of course, uh, having Tiger back, I will tell you that I actually was uh, here at the clubhouse uh, that late this afternoon, and um, when he came in, of course, you could tell he was hobbling. And then after hole nine, um, through the course of the day's round, um, you know, they're, they, they, that, that, the back's got the issue. And, you know, those athletes, a lot of people don't understand. Like, we just sent J.D., uh, John Daly, over to the Ritz-Carlton because he's getting some back stuff done for himself as well. And, you know, it's just a lot of stretching, a lot of making sure that, you know what, your body's in good shape. And, and it's the walking, too. And it's difference with this course that's a little bit different from other courses is um, it's high humidity in some of these spots uh, kind of wear down on you and it's kind of got like a little up and down approach to it as well so walking it is um you know it certainly is an issue and and in anything and these guys do it you know all the time but the thing about it is you know, it's with wear and tear and I kind of compare a little bit to the military our wear and tear the equipment we we have on and and, you know, walking and all of that stuff, you know, injuries happen. And I think that's really the storyline is how is Tiger going to hold up and some of the other ones. And then, you know, the other storyline, too, that I've uh, I got a chance to talk to Tom Lehman. And, and Tom Lehman is like, you know, that uh, it's, this is a long year uh, when it comes to the end of the year. And for them to give their time and effort, um, you know, talking to VJ Singh as well, they participate in this because they want to give back and then they want to do something purposeful. And, you know, in reality, they could be doing something else on this day on a day off, but they're not. So that's what it's all about. And that's kind of real to report on what I call inside the rope. Major Ed, one of my favorite parts about the PNC is that you get to see these guys' personality and them react with their families uh, more than you normally get to. So my question is, you know, you're down there probably behind the scenes. Who's holding court? I mean, you have guys like Lee Trevino and John Daly. Who's the man holding court down there? Well, you know, John Daly, of course, held court. We were at the back of the clubhouse yesterday, and I'll tell you what, we had some great people. We had some uh, representatives. There's a lot of celebrities running around. You wouldn't even think of that are celebrities. And, and you know them because there's some of them are state senators, congressmen, or uh, media types, et cetera. And, and, of course, you know, John Daly knows how to hold court. Last night we had some great stories. Gary Player was with us as well. And we were just telling different stories about different things going on, and just talking to Gary Player, you know, one of the things that was kind of exciting, you know, I, I mean, to be in, in his 80s and playing like that, what I, I asked, I said, what's the secret of success? And as he put it, it's like, you know, getting up every day, drinking your orange juice, making a difference, and 
playing golf and, and staying athletic, man. And I tell you what, man, that's what it's all about. And that's the championing of it. And so we did a lot of athletics last night back there in the back of the clubhouse, you know, with all the drinky drinks, but we were great, man. <laughs> that's awesome. That's fantastic. You know, Major Ed, one of my favorite parts about this tournament last year with Tiger and Charlie, and then again, seeing them this year is for so long, we never saw a human side to Tiger. We only saw the robot side that was made for the public. That was the golfer. And, you know, I, I said this in our first segment before you joined us, there's nothing more human than a father and a son at the golf course, just playing, making putts, uh, hitting balls and just joking around, having fun. How cool is it just to see all the sons out there, uh, getting to interact with their dads? Well, I think that that's the powerful piece to this. I don't know if you guys know this, but um, and I really did not know it until I got here and I got on the ground and talked to Tio. Tio's the tournament director, good friend of the John Daly Major at Heart of a Lion Foundation. We actually just presented him a bag. But the thing about it is that what he put it, he said it best. He says, you know, this is a family-oriented event. You know, there's only a thousand tickets per day given out, so there's only going to be probably two thousand people on the ground. And what makes that different from other events that I've gone to, um, you know, I've gone to PGA the PGA uh, you know, championships to Ryder Cups to really big, big events all over the country over the years. But this one is unique because it is about family, but it's very interactive. Like you can interact with the players. It's very loose. Um, which normally you don't get like that because everybody's in their office mode. Um, in the last couple of days for us during the pro ams, it's just been very uh, um, electric too. Like there's there, today when Tiger showed up, you could just tell that there was just the people that were here were were calm, cool, and collected, but they knew that Tiger was back. You know, and that to me is what it's all about. That's the game of golf. That's those are the storylines, and that to me is why I'm even on the show today with you guys is to give you a little bit of a of a different outlook of what is behind the scenes and, and how, how difficult this game is to play. But, that, but the end result, it's, what a, it's a powerful game that brings so many powerful personalities, the families together. And what you're going to find here is that a lot of players brought their families. They're going to be playing with each other. Um, Bubba Watson, you know, we talked to him yesterday and, you know, he was so happy and, you know, they're seeing their children grow too. And I think that's what you're seeing in Tiger and Charlie is, you know, Tiger may have some issues, you know, that he has to deal with on the health side. But at the end state, maybe he's seeing himself in little Charlie, which I would, of course, as a father. But that's what we're seeing is that he's seeing the embodiment of hard work and dedication. And if you've seen anything here on tele on the Golf Channel, you'll see that the work ethic and all of that. Those are all great principles. And that's what you get from this tournament as well. There's no d doubt about that, Major Ed. You know, right before you gave us a call, we were making picks for the tournament, which team was going to end up winning. And, you know, obviously all the great pros are great golfers by the stretch. Who are Who's the best non-pro golfer that you've seen down there? Who's going to be the best second man and the team that we should look out for? Other than Justin <laughs> Thomas's dad. Dude, that Thomas, <laughs> that Thomas team is really stout, man. Um, you know, I will tell you that um, a team to look out for is Tom Lehman. And his and you know his son plays at Cal Poly, and oh, really? um, yeah, and so it, that's an interesting matchup to see because um, you know to, you know when you're play, when you're following you know your your loved one's footsteps, there's, man, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of pressure, and and Tom Lehman is um, you know I know his family real well, huge folds of honor supporters, supporter of the John Daly Major at Heart of a Lion Foundation. And what I see is that, you know, they can get in a streak and really start hitting the ball well. And because, you know, he's playing some college, you know, um, you know, college golf right now, you know, that, that may be one of those sleepers. But, um, but you know, last year I was here to witness that Thomas. Uh, that, I tell you what, that was really special for them. And, and, and then there's others out there. Little J.D., I, I put them in that mix too because, you know, you got little – you got Big John and Little John. And Little John's playing well as well. So I think it's uh, – pretty kind of special to see it all and just to see all the names of the past winners, Bernhard Langer and his son, and of course, Thomas last year and uh, the loves and, you know, just, I mean, I could just go on and on. And it's just interesting to see these people and be with them. And tonight we have a concert with Jake Owen. So it's even better than that, you know? No doubt. That's what my next question was going to be, Major Ed. You said you were shooting the breeze with John Daly and a bunch of other guys last night. What's the rest of the week look like for you? 
Well, of course, you know, the tournament starts bright and early tomorrow. And then, of course, you know, we've got Jake Bowen on stage tonight, the champion's dinner we're going to uh, this evening. And the champion's dinner is really bringing all the champions together that are here and uh, kind of fellowshipping. And if you know anything, too, about all these people that participate, the uniqueness of this event, too, is all of them have won something and have won quite a bit, not only on the tour, but also in, in life. And I think that, to me, is a very important element to highlight. Major Ed, when last time we had John, we had we heard literally the best story that's ever been told on the podcast. The the Jack Nicholas number seven at Pebble Beach. We're hitting it into the ocean for Bin Laden. Major Ed, I can't tell you how many people I've told to go listen to that story that you told on the podcast. That is my absolute favorite. We don't want to put you on the spot, Major Ed, but we gotta hear something close to that. <laughs> we gotta hear something else. Oh my gosh, man. You know what? I, I have a lot of I have some really cool stories. Um but I will tell you that one of my coolest stories is, of course, going to Ireland, and I'm playing Ireland at Old Head, and all of a sudden I'm playing around, and it's raining bad. And what happens with rain and prosthetics is kind of like a little bit of a phenomenon because I was like, man, what am I going to do? And it was interesting because it, the funniest thing about it is I put I took my prosthetic leg off because, of course, it was, it, it was getting wet, and I just didn't want it to get any more wet than it was, and all of a sudden I'm taking it off. And I re- and it was so funny because I remember going towards the clubhouse and I had a couple of the guys with me were finishing up with the deal. And you know, if you know anything about Ireland, the freaking wind starts blowing hard and rain goes, it's kind of wrapped rain. So we're getting back. Finally, the rain stopped. And it's interesting because as I walked up the deal and I'm, I, I'm, I'm messing with people, I'm like, I lost my leg on the golf course. <laughs> 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 and everybody's like freaking like what are, what are you talking about I said, and I was low crawling too man as I got out of the golf cart <laughs> that is classic and, and you know what I'm saying and I'm acting I'm acting like I'm all jacked up I said I lost my leg on the golf course and everybody was laughing oh my gosh but it was interesting because I walked in and it was just so funny and people got a good laugh and it actually was captured on video and so I don't know who's got that video but don't go out there and show it and, and, and make fun of me because I had probably a good TikTok deal. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's funny. That's great stuff. So you said you played Old Head. This is funny. None of the three of us knew about this course until earlier this week, Major Ed. On the show, we crafted what we called Huntman National. Sam came up with the idea. It's 18 par fives. We found the best 18 par fives from around the world outside the state of Oklahoma. And we just happened to stumble on this par five at Old Head. It's the 12th hole. You, I, you probably remember it if you played out there. It's crazy. Yeah. If you miss it a yard left of the green, don't go looking for it uh, if you want to get home to your wife that night. What, <laughs> I mean, is that not the – it looks like one of the most crazy golf courses in the world. Yeah, I have a picture of that golf course. And, in fact, I'm here with my friend Russell Norman, and he came and played that golf course too. And the golf course is interesting because it's sitting on a peninsula and the winds are blowing so hard sometimes that – you know, you, if you've ever been to a golf course where it's a it's a steep freaking down to the ocean, and if you that golf cart gets too close, you're going to go over and you're done. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and so they, in fact, they have they have a course of deal where they, you know, you when it gets too close, that golf cart shuts down. But if you really get too close and wind's blowing bad, you could go off that cliff. So the funny, it, it, it's actually a funny. Thing because when you're rolling around in that joke, it's kind of overwhelming. But there's a lighthouse there too, and it's just a cool, cool spot. And it's one of the probably one of the best courses I've ever played. And I, you know, I played some really good courses. And another one that um, I'm getting ready to just connect with, and I'm going to go play is uh, here when it opens back up is Oakmont. Um, and wow. I can't wait to play courses like that. But that if you guys heard about that, then you got to play that. If you go to Ireland, it's ba- Valley Bunyan, uh, Tralee, Waterville, and then of course um, Royal County Downs, I believe is the name of the other one, and then uh, Old Head. And we played all those courses, and one of the most powerful. We stayed on all those castles, and I'm gonna tell you, some of those castles are haunted, man. <laughs> There's cats running around there grabbing food and all kinds of stuff from you. <laughs> and uh, that's a really cool deal, but it's all about golf too, and it's about experience and and um, and what it's all about, and kind of where everything started. You know, it's really cool. Major Ed, thank you so much for the time today. Now, 
I need you to tell me everything that's going on with uh, John Daly, Major Ed Heart of a Lion Foundation, uh, and tell everyone what you're doing with that and what you guys got going on in 2022. Yeah, well, the Heart of a Lion Foundation, we're moving forward. We have a lot more events on the track. We're going to have a lot of great things happening. And the great thing about it is that we have a lot of great, great advocates that are jumping on board, wanting to do something for us, and then also making a difference. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm here with my good friend, Garen Shaw, and he's been a huge supporter this past year. Russell Norman is an ambassador. What I'm saying is, with that is that we're growing. We're growing to do something purposeful um, and also useful. And Helping people is what we're all about. If we, you know, that, that's where the, the world misses out on is our country is the best that it is because we help one another. And I'm saddened sometimes by the fact that we see a lot of people that want, don't want to give anyone a hand, uh, a hand up. It's easy to give out a hand out, but we're here to empower people and give people hands up. And when you do that, you make this country great. For me to be out of the golf course as, as a Hispanic, who didn't have anything in life, you know, and ends up in this position right now in life that I can tell you that every day I wake up, I'm saying I'm thankful for my friends, for those supporters and for those people that are doing some stuff for the heart of a lion. And so for that, that's the way I would sign out to say, thank you. Thank you to the show, man. You guys are freaking rock solid, man. I've got some other really cool stories that I can share about last night, but I don't think they'd be too appropriate, you know, but, uh, but, you know, having fun and making a difference and utilizing the game of golf as a way for, um, for, for all of us to get back to normalcy, I think is important. And that's why this show and what you guys are doing is all about as well. Well, Major Ed, the three of us, our, our listeners, the good people at Golf Oklahoma, uh, we love your stories. We love your foundation. Uh, we love you, Major Ed, and we appreciate you taking some time. Go enjoy Florida. We won't take up any more time. Go enjoy the tournament. Uh, enjoy the bar again tonight. Tell some more stories. I will. Coming in hot. <laughs> hoorah, baby. <laughs> Thanks, Major Ed. Hoorah, hoorah. Where they at? <laughs>